Chapter Five of Part Four of The Idiot, Parts Three and Four, by Fyodor Dostoevsky, translated by Eva M. Martin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. In point of fact, Varya had rather exaggerated the certainty of her news as to the prince's betrothal to Aglaya. Very likely, with the perspicacity of her sex, she gave out as an accomplished fact what she felt was pretty sure to become a fact in a few days perhaps she could not resist the satisfaction of pouring one last drop of bitterness into her brother gania's cup in spite of her love for him at all events she had been unable to obtain any definite news from the Apenchine girls the most she could get out of them being hints and surmises and so on perhaps aglaya's sisters had merely been pumping varia for news while pretending to impart information or perhaps again they had been unable to resist the feminine gratification of teasing a friend for after all this time they could scarcely have helped divining the aim of her frequent visits on the other hand the prince although he had told lebedeff as we know that nothing had happened and that he had nothing to impart the prince may have been in error something strange seemed to have happened without anything definite having actually happened varia had guessed that with her true feminine instinct how or why it came about that every one at the epanchins became imbued with one conviction that something very important had happened to aglaya and that her fate was in process of settlement it would be very difficult to explain but no sooner had this idea taken root than all at once declared that they had seen and observed it long ago that they had remarked it at the time of the poor knight joke and even before though they had been unwilling to believe in such nonsense so said the sisters of course lizabetha prokofievna had foreseen it long before the rest her heart had been sore for a long while she declared and it was now so sore that she appeared to be quite overwhelmed and the very thought of the prince became distasteful to her there was a question to be decided most important but most difficult so much so that mrs epanchin did not even see how to put it into words would the prince do or not was all this good or bad if good which might be the case of course why good if bad which was hardly doubtful wherein especially bad even the general the paterfamilias though astonished at first suddenly declared that upon his honour he really believed he had fancied something of the kind after all at first it seemed a new idea and then somehow it looked as familiar as possible his wife frowned him down there this was in the morning but in the evening alone with his wife he had given tongue again well really you know silence of course you know all this is very strange if true which i cannot deny but silence but on the other hand if one looks things in the face you know upon my honour the prince is a rare good fellow and 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 well his name you know your family name all this looks well and perpetuates the name and title and all that which at this moment is not standing so high as it might from one point of view don't you know the world the world is the world of course and people will talk and and the prince has property you know if it is not very large and then he he continued silence and collapse of the general 
hearing these words from her husband lizabetha prokofievna was driven beside herself according to her opinion the whole thing had been one huge fantastical absurd unpardonable mistake first of all this prince is an idiot and secondly he is a fool knows nothing of the world and has no place in it whom can he be shown to where can you take him to what will old bielkonski say we never thought of such a husband as that for our aglaya of course the last argument was the chief one the maternal heart trembled with indignation to think of such an absurdity although in that heart there rose another voice which said and why is not the prince such a husband as you would have desired for aglaya it was this voice which annoyed lizabetha prokofievna more than anything else for some reason or other the sisters liked the idea of the prince they did not even consider it very strange in a word they might be expected at any moment to range themselves strongly on his side but both of them decided to say nothing either way it had always been noticed in the family that the stronger mrs eponchin's opposition was to any project the nearer she was in reality to giving in alexandra however found it difficult to keep absolute silence on the subject long since holding as she did the post of confidential adviser to mamma she was now perpetually called in council and asked her opinion and especially her assistance in order to recollect how on earth did all this happen why did no one see it why did no one say anything about it what did all that wretched poor knight joke mean why was she lizabetha prokofievna driven to think and foresee and worry for everybody while they all sucked their thumbs and counted the crows in the garden and did nothing at first alexandra had been very careful and had merely replied that perhaps her father's remark was not so far out that in the eyes of the world probably the choice of the prince as a husband for one of the eponchin girls would be considered a very wise one warming up however she added that the prince was by no means a fool and never had been and that as to place in the world no one knew what the position of a respectable person in russia would imply in a few years whether it would depend on successes in the government service on the old system or what to all this her mother replied that alexandra was a free thinker and that all this was due to that cursed woman's rights question half an hour after this conversation she went off to town and thence to kameni ostrov stone island a suburb and park of st petersburg to see princess bielankoski who had just arrived from moscow on a short visit the princess was aglaya's godmother old bielakonsky listened to all the fevered and despairing lamentations of lizabetha prokofievna without the least emotion the tears of this sorrowful mother did not evoke answering sighs in fact she laughed at her she was a dreadful old despot this princess she could not allow equality in anything not even in friendship of the oldest standing and she insisted on treating mrs eponchin as her protege as she had been thirty-five years ago she could never put up with the independence and energy of lizabetha's character she observed that as usual the whole family had gone much too far ahead and had converted a fly into an elephant that so far as she had heard their story she was persuaded that nothing of any seriousness had occurred that it would surely be better to wait until something did happen that the prince in her opinion was a very decent young fellow though perhaps a little eccentric through illness and not quite as weighty in the world as one could wish 
the worst feature was she said nastasia philipovna lizabetha prokofievna well understood that the old lady was angry at the failure of evgeny pavlovitch her own recommendation she returned home to pavlovsk in a worse humour than when she left and of course everybody in the house suffered she pitched into everyone because she declared they had gone mad why were things always mismanaged in her house why had everybody been in such a frantic hurry in this matter so far as she could see nothing whatever had happened surely they had better wait and see what was to happen instead of making mountains out of molehills and so the conclusion of the matter was that it would be far better to take it quietly and wait coolly to see what would turn up but alas peace did not reign for more than ten minutes the first blow dealt to its power was in certain news communicated to lizabetha prokofievna as to events which had happened during her trip to see the princess this trip had taken place the day after that on which the prince had turned up at the epanchins at nearly one o'clock at night thinking it was nine the sisters replied candidly and fully enough to their mother's impatient questions on her return they said in the first place that nothing particular had happened since her departure that the prince had been and that aglaya had kept him waiting a long while before she appeared half an hour at least that she had then come in and immediately asked the prince to have a game of chess that the prince did not know the game and aglaya had beaten him easily that she had been in a wonderfully merry mood and had laughed at the prince and chafed him so unmercifully that one was quite sorry to see his wretched expression she had then asked him to play cards the game called little fools at this game the tables were turned completely for the prince had shown himself a master at it aglaya had cheated and changed cards and stolen others in the most barefaced way but in spite of everything the prince had beaten her hopelessly five times running and she had been left little fool each time aglaya then lost her temper and began to say such awful things to the prince that he laughed no more but grew dreadfully pale especially when she said that she should not remain in the house with him and that he ought to be ashamed of coming to their house at all especially at night after all that had happened so saying she had left the room banging the door after her and the prince went off looking as though he were on his way to a funeral in spite of all their attempts at consolation suddenly a quarter of an hour after the prince's departure aglaya had rushed out of her room in such a hurry that she had not even wiped her eyes which were full of tears she came back because kolya had brought a hedgehog everybody came in to see the hedgehog in answer to their questions kolya explained that the hedgehog was not his and that he had left another boy kostya lebedev waiting for him outside kostya was too shy to come in because he was carrying a hatchet they had bought the hedgehog and the hatchet from a peasant whom they had met on the road he had offered to sell them the hedgehog and they had paid fifty kopecks for it and the hatchet had so taken their fancy that they had made up their minds to buy it of their own accord on hearing this aglaya urged kolya to sell her the hedgehog she even called him dear kolya in trying to coax him he refused for a long time but at last he could hold out no more and went to fetch kostya lebedev the latter appeared carrying his hatchet and covered with confusion then it came out that the hedgehog was not theirs but the property of a schoolmate one petrov who had given them some money to buy schlosser's history for him from another schoolfellow 
who at that moment was driven to raising money by the sale of his books kolya and kostya were about to make this purchase for their friend when chance brought the hedgehog to their notice and they had succumbed to the temptation of buying it they were now taking petrov the hedgehog and hatchet which they had bought with his money instead of schlosser's history but aglaya so entreated them that at last they consented to sell her the hedgehog as soon as she had got possession of it she put it in a wicker basket with kolya's help and covered it with a napkin then she said to kolya go and take this hedgehog to the prince from me and ask him to accept it as a token of my profound respect kolya joyfully promised to do the errand but he demanded explanations what does the hedgehog mean what is the meaning of such a present aglaya replied that it was none of his business i am sure there is some allegory about it kolya persisted aglaya grew angry and called him a silly boy if i did not respect all women in your person replied kolya and if my own principles would permit it i would soon prove to you that i know how to answer such an insult but in the end kolya went off with the hedgehog in great delight followed by kostya lebedeff aglaya's annoyance was soon over and seeing that kolya was swinging the hedgehog's basket violently to and fro she called out to him from the veranda as if they had never quarrelled kolya dear please take care not to drop him kolya appeared to have no grudge against her either for he stopped and answered most cordially no i will not drop him don't be afraid aglaya ivanovna after which he went on his way aglaya burst out laughing and ran up to her room highly delighted her good spirits lasted the whole day all this filled poor lizabetha's mind with chaotic confusion what on earth did it all mean the most disturbing feature was the hedgehog what was the symbolic signification of a hedgehog what did they understand by it what underlay it was it a cryptic message poor general ipanchin put his foot in it by answering the above questions in his own way he said there was no cryptic message at all as for the hedgehog it was just a hedgehog which meant nothing unless indeed it was a pledge of friendship the sign of forgetting of offences and so on at all events it was a joke and of course a most pardonable and innocent one we may as well remark that the general had guessed perfectly accurately the prince returning home from the interview with aglaya had sat gloomy and depressed for half an hour he was almost in despair when kolya arrived with the hedgehog then the sky cleared in a moment the prince seemed to arise from the dead he asked kolya all about it made him repeat the story over and over again and laughed and shook hands with the boys in his delight it seemed clear to the prince that aglaya forgave him and that he might go there again this very evening and in his eyes that was not only the main thing but everything in the world what children we are still kolya he cried at last enthusiastically and how delightful it is that we can be children still simply my dear prince simply she is in love with you that's the whole of the secret replied kolya with authority the prince blushed but this time he said nothing kolya burst out laughing and clapped his hands a minute later the prince laughed too and from this moment until the evening he looked at his watch every other minute to see how much time he had to wait before evening came but the situation was becoming rapidly critical mrs epachin could bear her suspense no longer and in spite of the opposition of husband and daughters she sent for aglaya determined to get a straightforward answer out of her once for all otherwise she observed hysterically i shall die before evening 
it was only now that every one realized to what a ridiculous deadlock the whole matter had been brought excepting feigned surprise indignation laughter and jeering both at the prince and at every one who asked her questions nothing could be got out of aglaya lizabetha prokofievna went to bed and only rose again in time for tea when the prince might be expected she awaited him in trembling agitation and when he at last arrived she nearly went off into hysterics mushkin himself came in very timidly he seemed to feel his way and looked in each person's eyes in a questioning way for aglaya was absent which fact alarmed him at once this evening there were no strangers present no one but the immediate members of the family prince s was still in town occupied with the affairs of evgeny pavlovitch's uncle i wish at least he would come and say something complained poor lizabetha prokofievna the general sat still with a most preoccupied air the sisters were looking very serious and did not speak a word and lizabetha prokofievna did not know how to commence the conversation at length she plunged into an energetic and hostile criticism of railways and glared at the prince defiantly alas aglaya still did not come and the prince was quite lost he had the greatest difficulty in expressing his opinion that railways were most useful institutions and in the middle of his speech adelaida laughed which threw him into a still worse state of confusion at this moment in marched aglaya as calm and collected as could be she gave the prince a ceremonious bow and solemnly took up a prominent position near the big round table she looked at the prince questioningly all present realized that the moment for the settlement of perplexities had arrived did you get my hedgehog she inquired firmly and almost angrily yes i got it said the prince blushing tell us now at once what you made of the present i must have you answer this question for mother's sake she needs pacifying and so do all the rest of the family look here aglaya began the general this this is going beyond all limits said lizabetha prokofievna suddenly alarmed it is not in the least beyond all limits mamma said her daughter firmly i sent the prince a hedgehog this morning and i wish to hear his opinion of it go on prince what what sort of opinion aglaya ivanovna about the hedgehog that is i suppose you wish to know how i received the hedgehog aglaya ivanovna or i should say how i regarded your sending him to me in that case i may tell you in a word that i in fact he paused breathless come you haven't told us much said aglaya after waiting some five seconds very well i am ready to drop the hedgehog if you like but i am anxious to be able to clear up this accumulation of misunderstandings allow me to ask you prince i wish to hear from you personally are you making me an offer or not gracious heavens exclaimed lizabetha prokofievna the prince started the general stiffened in his chair the sisters frowned don't deceive me now prince tell the truth all these people persecute me with astounding questions about you is there any ground for all these questions or not come i have not asked you to marry me yet aglaya ivanovna said the prince becoming suddenly animated but you know yourself how much i love you and trust you no i asked you this answer this do you intend to ask for my hand or not yes i do ask for it said the prince more dead than alive now there was a general stir in the room no no my dear girl began the general 
you cannot proceed like this aglaya if that's how the matter stands it's impossible prince forgive it my dear fellow but lisabetha prokofievna he appealed to his spouse for help you must really not i not i i retire from all responsibility said lisabetha prokofievna with a wave of the hand allow me to speak please mamma said aglaya i think i ought to have something to say in the matter an important moment of my destiny is about to be decided this is how aglaya expressed herself and i wish to find out how the matter stands for my own sake though i am glad you are all here allow me to ask you prince since you cherish those intentions how you consider that you will provide for my happiness i-i don't quite know how to answer your question aglaya ivanovna what is there to say to such a question and-and must i answer i think you are rather overwhelmed and out of breath have a little rest and try to recover yourself take a glass of water or-but they'll give you some tea directly i love you aglaya ivanovna i love you very much i love only you and-please don't jest about it for i do love you very much well this matter is important we are not children we must look into it thoroughly now then kindly tell me what does your fortune consist of no aglaya come enough of this you mustn't behave like this said her father in dismay it's disgraceful said lisabetha prokofievna in a loud whisper she's mad quite said alexandra fortune money do you mean asked the prince in some surprise just so i have now let's see i have a hundred and thirty-five thousand roubles said the prince blushing violently is that all really said aglaya candidly without the slightest show of confusion however it's not so bad especially if managed with economy do you intend to serve i-i intended to try for a certificate as private tutor very good that would increase our income nicely have you any intention of being a camera junker a camera junker i had not thought of it but but here the two sisters could restrain themselves no longer and both of them burst into irrepressible laughter adelaida had long since detected in aglaya's features the gathering signs of an approaching storm of laughter which she restrained with amazing self-control aglaya looked menacingly at her laughing sisters but could not contain herself any longer and the next minute she too had burst into an irrepressible and almost hysterical fit of mirth at length she jumped up and ran out of the room i knew it was all a joke cried adelaida i felt it ever since since the hedgehog no no i cannot allow this this is a little too much cried lisabetha prokofievna exploding with rage and she rose from her seat and followed aglaya out of the room as quickly as she could the two sisters hurriedly went after her the prince and the general were the only two persons left in the room it's it's really now could you have imagined anything like it left nikolaevitch cried the general he was evidently so much agitated that he hardly knew what he wished to say seriously now seriously i mean i only see that aglaya ivanovna is laughing at me said the poor prince sadly wait a bit my boy i'll just go you stay here you know but do just explain if you can left nikolaevitch how in the world has all this come about and what does it all mean you must understand my dear fellow i am a father you see and i ought to be allowed to understand the matter do explain i beg you i love aglaya ivanovna she knows it and i think she must have long known it 
the general shrugged his shoulders strange it's strange he said and you love her very much yes very much well it's almost strange to me that is my dear fellow it is such a surprise such a blow that you see it is not your financial position though i should not object if you were a bit richer i am thinking of my daughter's happiness of course and the thing is are you able to give her the happiness she deserves and then is all this a joke on her part or is she in earnest i don't mean on your side but on hers at this moment alexandra's voice was heard outside the door calling out papa wait for me here my boy will you just wait and think it all over and i'll come back directly he said hurriedly and made off with what looked like the rapidity of alarm in response to alexandra's call he found the mother and daughter locked in one another's arms mingling their tears these were the tears of joy and peace and reconciliation aglaya was kissing her mother's lips and cheeks and hands they were hugging each other in the most ardent way there look at her now ivan fedorovitch here she is all of her this is our real aglaya at last said lisabetha prokofievna aglaya raised her happy tearful face from her mother's breast glanced at her father and burst out laughing she sprang at him and hugged him too and kissed him over and over again she then rushed back to her mother and hid her face in the maternal bosom and there indulged in more tears her mother covered her with a corner of her shawl oh you cruel little girl how will you treat us all next i wonder she said but she spoke with a ring of joy in her voice and as though she breathed at last without the oppression which she had felt so long cruel sobbed aglaya yes i am cruel and worthless and spoiled tell father so oh here he is i forgot father listen she laughed through her tears my darling my little idol cried the general kissing and fondling her hands aglaya did not draw them away so you love this young man do you no 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 can't bear him i can't bear your young man cried aglaya raising her head and if you dare say that once more papa i'm serious you know i'm do you hear me i'm serious she certainly did seem to be serious enough she had flushed up all over and her eyes were blazing the general felt troubled and remained silent while lisabetha rogovievna telegraphed to him from behind aglaya to ask no questions if that's the case darling then of course you shall do exactly as you like he is waiting alone downstairs hadn't i better hint to him gently that he can go the general telegraphed to lizabetha prokofievna in his turn no no you needn't do anything of the sort you mustn't hint gently at all i'll go down myself directly i wish to apologize to this young man because i hurt his feelings yes seriously said the general gravely well you'd better stay here all of you for a little and i'll go down to him alone to begin with i'll just go in and then you can follow me almost at once that's the best way she had almost reached the door when she turned round again i shall laugh i know i shall i shall die of laughing she said lugubriously however she turned and ran down to the prince as fast as her feet could carry her well what does it all mean what do you make of it asked the general of his spouse hurriedly i hardly dare say said lisabetha as hurriedly but i think it's as plain as anything can be i think so too as clear as day she loves him loves him she is head over ears in love that's what she is put in alexandra 
well god bless her god bless her if such is her destiny said lisabetha crossing herself devoutly hm destiny it is said the general and there's no getting out of destiny with these words they all moved off towards the drawing-room where another surprise awaited them aglaya had not only not laughed as she had feared but had gone to the prince rather timidly and said to him forgive a silly horrid spoiled girl she took his hand here and be quite assured that we all of us esteem you beyond all words and if i dared to turn your beautiful admirable simplicity to ridicule forgive me as you would a little child its mischief forgive me all my absurdity of just now which of course meant nothing and could not have the slightest consequence she spoke these words with great emphasis her father mother and sisters came into the room and were much struck with the last words which they just caught as they entered absurdity which of course meant nothing and still more so with the emphasis with which aglaya had spoken they exchanged glances questioningly but the prince did not seem to have understood the meaning of aglaya's words he was in the highest heaven of delight why do you speak so he murmured why do you ask my forgiveness he wished to add that he was unworthy of being asked for forgiveness by her but paused perhaps he did understand aglaya's sentence about absurdity which meant nothing and like the strange fellow that he was rejoiced in the words undoubtedly the fact that he might now come and see aglaya as much as he pleased again was quite enough to make him perfectly happy that he might come and speak to her and see her and sit by her and walk with her who knows but that all this was quite enough to satisfy him for the whole of his life and that he would desire no more to the end of time lizabetha prokofievna felt that this might be the case and she didn't like it though very probably she could not have put the idea into words it would be difficult to describe the animation and high spirits which distinguished the prince for the rest of the evening he was so happy that it made one feel happy to look at him as aglaya's sisters expressed it afterwards he talked and told stories just as he had done once before and never since namely on the very first morning of his acquaintance with the apanchins six months ago since his return to petersburg from moscow he had been remarkably silent and had told prince s on one occasion before every one that he did not think himself justified in degrading any thought by his unworthy words but this evening he did nearly all the talking himself and told stories by the dozen while he answered all questions put to him clearly gladly and with any amount of detail there was nothing however of love-making in his talk his ideas were all of the most serious kind some were even mystical and profound he aired his own views on various matters some of his most private opinions and observations many of which would have seemed rather funny so his hearers agreed afterwards had they not been so well expressed the general liked serious subjects of conversation but both he and lizabetha prokofievna felt that they were having a little too much of a good thing to-night and as the evening advanced they both grew more or less melancholy but towards night the prince fell to telling funny stories and was always the first to burst out laughing himself which he invariably did so joyously and simply that the rest laughed just as much at him as at his stories as for aglaya she hardly said a word all the evening but she listened with all her ears to lef nikolaevitch's talk and scarcely took her eyes off him she looked at him and stared and stared and hung on every word he said said lizabetha afterwards to her husband and yet 
tell her that she loves him and she is furious what's to be done it's fate said the general shrugging his shoulders and for a long while after he continued to repeat it's fate it's fate we may add that to a business man like general epanchin the present position of affairs was most unsatisfactory he hated the uncertainty in which they had been perforce left however he decided to say no more about it and merely to look on and take his time and tune from lizabetha prokofievna the happy state in which the family had spent the evening as just recorded was not of very long duration next day aglaya quarrelled with the prince again and so she continued to behave for the next few days for whole hours at a time she ridiculed and chafed the wretched man and made him almost a laughing-stock it is true that they used to sit in the little summer-house together for an hour or two at a time very often but it was observed that on these occasions the prince would read the paper or some book aloud to aglaya do you know aglaya said to him once interrupting the reading i remarked that you are dreadfully badly educated you never know anything thoroughly if one asks you neither anyone's name nor dates nor about treaties and so on it's a great pity you know i told you i had not much of an education replied the prince how am i to respect you if that's the case read on now no don't stop reading and once more that same evening aglaya mystified them all prince s had returned and aglaya was particularly amiable to him and asked a great deal after evgeny pavlovitch muishkin had not come in as yet suddenly prince s hinted something about a new and approaching change in the family he was led to this remark by a communication inadvertently made to him by lizabetha prokofievna that adelaida's marriage must be postponed a little longer in order that the two weddings might come off together it is impossible to describe aglaya's irritation she flared up and said some indignant words about all these silly insinuations she added that she had no intentions as yet of replacing anybody's mistress these words painfully impressed the whole party but especially her parents lizabetha prokofievna summoned a secret council of two and insisted upon the general's demanding from the prince a full explanation of his relations with nastasia philipovna the general argued that it was only a whim of aglaya's and that had not prince s unfortunately made that remark which had confused the child and made her blush she never would have said what she did and that he was sure aglaya knew well that anything she might have heard of the prince and nastasia philipovna was merely the fabrication of malicious tongues and that the woman was going to marry rogozhin he insisted that the prince had nothing whatever to do with nastasia philipovna so far as any liaison was concerned and if the truth were to be told about it he added never had had meanwhile nothing put the prince out and he continued to be in the seventh heaven of bliss of course he could not fail to observe some impatience and ill-temper in aglaya now and then but he believed in something else and nothing could now shake his conviction besides aglaya's frowns never lasted long they disappeared of themselves perhaps he was too easy in his mind so thought hippolyte at all events who met him in the park one day didn't i tell you the truth now when i said you were in love he said coming up to mushkin of his own accord and stopping him the prince gave him his hand and congratulated him upon looking so well hippolyte himself seemed to be hopeful about his state of health as is often the case with consumptives 
he had approached the prince with the intention of talking sarcastically about his happy expression of face but very soon forgot his intention and began to talk about himself he began complaining about everything disconnectedly and endlessly as was his wont you wouldn't believe he concluded how irritating they all are there they are such wretchedly small vain egotistical commonplace people would you believe it they invited me there under the express condition that i should die quickly and they are all as wild as possible with me for not having died yet and for being on the contrary a good deal better isn't it a comedy i don't mind betting that you don't believe me the prince said nothing i sometimes think of coming over to you again said hippolyte carelessly so you don't think them capable of inviting a man on the condition that he is to look sharp and die i certainly thought they invited you with quite other views ho ho you are not nearly so simple as they try to make you out this is not the time for it or i would tell you a thing or two about that beauty gania and his hopes you are being undermined pitilessly undermined and and it is really melancholy to see you so calm about it but alas it's your nature you can't help it my word what a thing to be melancholy about why do you think i should be any happier if i were to feel disturbed about the excavations you tell me of it is better to be unhappy and know the worst than to be happy in a fool's paradise i suppose you don't believe that you have a rival in that quarter your insinuations as to rivalry are rather cynical hippolyte i'm sorry to say i have no right to answer you as for gania i put it to you can any man have a happy mind after passing through what he has had to suffer i think that is the best way to look at it he will change yet he has lots of time before him and life is rich besides besides the prince hesitated as to being undermined i don't know what in the world you are driving at hippolyte i think we had better drop the subject very well we'll drop it for a while you can't look at anything but in your exalted generous way you must put out your finger and touch a thing before you'll believe it eh ha 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 i suppose you despise me dreadfully prince eh what do you think why because you have suffered more than we have no because i am unworthy of my sufferings if you like whoever can suffer is worthy to suffer i should think aglaya ivanovna wished to see you after she had read your confession but she postponed the pleasure i see i quite understand said hippolyte hurriedly as though he wished to banish the subject i hear they tell me that you read her all that nonsense aloud stupid bosh it was written in delirium and i can't understand how anyone can be so i won't say cruel because the word would be humiliating to myself but will say childishly vain and revengeful as to reproach me with this confession and use it as a weapon against me don't be afraid i'm not referring to yourself oh but i'm sorry you repudiate the confession hippolyte it is sincere and do you know even the absurd parts of it and these are many here hippolyte frowned savagely are as it were redeemed by suffering for it must have cost you something to admit what you there say great torture perhaps for all i know your motive must have been a very noble one all through whatever may have appeared to the contrary i give you my word i see this more plainly every day i do not judge you i merely say this to have it off my mind and i am only sorry that i did not say it all then hippolyte flushed hotly he had thought at first that the prince was humbugging him 
but on looking at his face he saw that he was absolutely serious and had no thought of any deception hippolyte beamed with gratification and yet i must die he said and almost added a man like me and imagine how that gania annoys me he has developed the idea or pretends to believe that in all probability three or four others who heard my confession will die before i do there's an idea for you and all this by way of consoling me ha 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 in the first place they haven't died yet and in the second if they did die all of them what would be the satisfaction to me in that he judges me by himself but he goes further he actually pitches into me because as he declares any decent fellow would die quietly and that all this is mere egotism on my part he doesn't see what refinement of egotism it is on his own part and at the same time what ox-like coarseness have you ever read of the death of one stefan glebov in the eighteenth century i read of it yesterday by chance who was he he was impaled on a stake in the time of peter i know i know he lay there fifteen hours in the hard frost and died with the most extraordinary fortitude i know what of him only that god gives that sort of dying to some and not to others perhaps you think though that i could not die like glebov not at all said the prince blushing i was only going to say that you not that you could not be like glebov but that you would have been more like i guess what you mean i should be an osterman not a glebov eh is that what you meant what osterman asked the prince in some surprise why osterman the diplomatist peter's osterman muttered hippolyte confused there was a moment's pause of mutual confusion oh no no said the prince at last that was not what i was going to say oh no i don't think you would ever have been like osterman hippolyte frowned gloomily i'll tell you why i draw the conclusion explained the prince evidently desirous of clearing up the matter a little because though i often think over the men of those times i cannot for the life of me imagine them to be like ourselves it really appears to me that they were of another race altogether than ourselves of to-day at that time people seemed to stick so to one idea now they are more nervous more sensitive more enlightened people of two or three ideas at once as it were the man of to-day is a broader man so to speak and i declare i believe that is what prevents him from being so self-contained and independent a being as his brother of those earlier days of course my remark was only made under this impression and not in the least i quite understand you are trying to comfort me for the naiveness with which you disagreed with me eh ha 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 you are a regular child prince however i cannot help seeing that you always treat me like like a fragile china cup never mind never mind i'm not a bit angry at all events we have had a very funny talk do you know all things considered i should like to be something better than osterman i wouldn't take the trouble to rise from the dead to be an osterman however i see i must make arrangements to die soon or i myself well leave me now au revoir look here before you go just give me your opinion how do you think i ought to die now i mean the best the most virtuous way tell me you should pass us by and forgive us our happiness said the prince in a low voice ha 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 i thought so i thought i should hear something like that well you are you really are oh dear me eloquence eloquence good-bye chapter five